The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction and good morning. Today is June 5th, 2022, and uh, here are the topics that will be discussed on this week's edition of the Serious Side of the Jay Rowe Show. In Chicago, there are, quote, real gun laws in New York. There are real gun laws in California. I hate to say this, but there are more people who are shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. And we need to realize that, that people who think that, well, maybe we can just implement tougher gun laws, it's going to say, oh, Chicago and L.A. and New York disproved that thesis. Jesus Christ, man, just grab a hold of him. What are you... Amen. 
347-850-1272 is that call-in number, 347-850-1272. You are listening to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. It's best. Of course, I'm J. Ryle, and I never share the stage. I shouldn't say never, but very rarely share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to my colleagues. Miss Vanessa May Bell is in the house, and of course, the one and only Mr. L to the East is here. It's the L to the E to the S is in the house as well. Let's say good morning to them both. Good morning, Vanessa. Welcome back, and uh, welcome into the show. How are you? Good morning, and you really didn't share that. Eventually, Jerome and I didn't make it there in time, and so we just had to make it for a minute. But I want to take this few minutes with this smile on my face because I've been too busy to fix this special person and say congratulations, congratulations, Mr. L.E.S., who is now a part of the Retiree Club. Welcome, 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 my brother, because now, honey, you're going to live your best life for real. So congratulations on being retired. Well, there he is. Uh, no introduction needed. The man himself is in the house, Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir, uh, and uh, kudos to when Vanessa just the message, how she beautifully conveyed. Congratulations to you. Good morning, man. How you feel being a part of that community now? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, and one good morning, Nessa. Well, good morning, Rich Sister. Well, good morning, Mama B. Well, good morning, Kathleen Williams. Well, good morning, Marianne Music. And good morning, my brother Hawk. And good morning, my brother Jerome. I, I'd like to know how I felt as a retiree. My God, I, I don't know. I, I think I've done more work retired than I have as, as a worker, man. So I, I've been on uncle duties all week, all week long. My nephew's there you go. truck went out, so hey, uncle. Hey, uh, can you come, come look at my truck for me and, and, and take it to your house? And, and then this happened. And then my partner calls me and says, hey, man, I'm moving. Can you help me move? So I got to leave the show today and help him move. So as far as being retired, hell, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still working for free now, though. It sounds like you have a problem, sir. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a personal problem, Mr. Elias. Yeah, where did you go? Yeah, You chose this lifestyle, so uh, hey, congratulations! Yeah. Suck it up. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> three four oh, seven eight five zero right. one two seven two. Yes, sir. Are you are you are you saying that I need to change my lifestyle and start telling people no? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you don't I listen am. to Celias. Well, you know, but see, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plot that's going on underneath here, and I'm not going to. You're not, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. I'm just going to say, man, live your best I'll life, and God bless you. Man. Well, that's well, I'll fine. I'm, I'm not, well, listen, I can't there answer you know. that. But Vanessa answered the question, you know, for for her. I mean, I'm not, I plead the fifth. Okay. That's, that's what I'm some, Somebody right. said I was retired, and I need to drive back to Texas with them, too. I tell you what, boy, wow. this guy's mouth loosely loose lips sink chips. And I tell you, this guy here, man, I mean, he's googly moogly. Stop it, Wow. wow. That's loose lips sink chips is all I got to say. Yeah. 
There I'm it is. Man, no rest yeah. for the weary, you, baby. Yeah. No rest for the weary. I hear you. God bless you, and thank you for being here. We've spent enough time uh, glorifying you and your status. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. We appreciate you hanging out with us uh, on a beautiful Sunday. Just beautiful day outside. Hopefully, it is beautiful in your neck of the woods. Obviously, we are knee deep into personal privilege, where we take a few minutes to kind of wrap and clap. And uh, once again, congratulations from all of us. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the whole TTRS family here and that's listening abroad, they're very happy for the man himself, Mr. Elias, a part of that exclusive community of old retired people. And there he is, Mr. Elias himself. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, did I say old? I, I didn't mean to say that. I meant to say young and vibrant uh Retirees. God bless you. I guess there's a little hate. There's a little hate coming, Vanessa, because that what he said. It is. There's a little hate. I'm not gonna lie, because by the time I reach that exclusive club, this show will be off the air. (laughs) So, so, so. Hey, listen, you guys do your thing, and uh, you know, God bless. I I really do appreciate it. And I'll reach some of the benefits of this, as always. I'll get a chance to hang out when you guys want to go and do what retirees do. So, uh, you know, so it's not all bad for the brother uh, from the IND. We appreciate it. Speaking of the IND, uh, I will be in the house. Uh, 219, here I come. 40th class reunions coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. I never thought that I would uh, – I'm not going to – you know what? I shouldn't say that because I don't want people to think I thought I was going to be dead. But, man, 40 years? That's a long time. And um, – I'm just blessed and grateful that uh, that I'll have the opportunity to hang out with some classmates. And, you know, Ms. Elias, uh, are you coming because they think you are part of that class anyway? <laughs> uh, I thought he went to the no, school. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to keep my black ass at home and do what I do. Oh, I thank you. And there it is. A quarter goes directly into the cuss jar. Ms. Elias, once again. He happened to knock the cobwebs off of the cuss can. Actually, Vanessa hit it last week, too. So the tally continues. And maybe when he gets to $100, we'll give that money to somebody. But uh, thank you, you two, for continuing to uh, uh, contribute to the cuss fund. Well, no problem. Uh, hey, hey, the United Cuss Fund. Yeah, United Cuss Fund. Because the mine is a terrible thing to waste. All right, a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we get into it. You know, one of the things we were going to talk about today, <clears throat> but I decided not to, was, you know, uh, last week there was a story about police shooting a uh, unarmed pregnant black female five times. Um, since then, the police has, they They've released a video showing that, uh, wait a minute, not so fast, she had a gun in her hand. And so are we at a point where we're not giving the police the benefit of the doubt in some of these cases? It's a hard job. I also watched um, this past week where a young man pulls into a police uh, department's uh, parking lot. He starts making these, what's it called, Molotov cocktails, and started throwing them at cars that were in the parking lot. So when the cops got there, they were like, okay, man, yo, dude, calm down. Don't do it. Don't do it. He started walking towards them and started throwing the bombs towards them, and they shot him and killed him. It's a hard job. So when we talk about cops, I mean, should we give them the benefit of the doubt to sell this in some cases? Because, man, listen, I mean, good God, some of the stuff they encounter is not cool. What's that you? 
Um, yeah, I, I, sometimes you got to give them a break, but sometimes, hell no. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-win situation for these guys. But, you know, hey, man, some of those guys, they just, they're, they're horrible. They oh, are. He's breaking it. Over. Having some mic issues. Repeat what you just said, Mr. Elias, oh. because you faded out. Go ahead. Okay, some of those some of those guys are horrible, man. They are. I got friends that are police officers, and and and, and if you talk to them privately, they'll let you know some of these guys are horrible, and they just turn the blind eye to it, man. So no, no, they they, they hey, look, you signed on for this job, you knew it was gonna be difficult. If not, you should you should have signed on for something else. I knew what I was signing on when I signed my job. So I, you know, everybody wants to go home when they get off work, stay the same way they came in. But some of these guys, they're going to they're gonna shoot first and ask questions later. What about you, Vanessa? Give me your thoughts on that. Well, that's such a hard, um, that's such a hard topic. I'm actually going to put something in my mail. It's, I don't know. It's such a hard topic. What, that, what are you saying? I, okay. I think it's a hard topic. I do. Because I think that you got so many of them that's on the police force that are actually racist and um, they're living out their best life as a police, racist police officer by doing bad things. But then you got some police officers that actually do care. And the ones that care are the ones that don't get on the news. So that's a hard topic. I'm not going to say all police officers are, are bad. Uh, I didn't know anything yeah. about the girl being pregnant and was shot. I guess I was on on Jamaica Beach. I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that. Um, but that's sad either way it goes. Be it that you had a gun that you didn't, that's just really sad. Yeah. Well, a lot of the witnesses said that she didn't have a gun, and, and but then you know police re- re- police released body cam video uh, and dash cam video, and you can see the gun plain as day. I think we talked about a story similar to this a few years ago about a young young boy in Chicago that got shot, and everybody was in an uproar. But then it looked like, hey, that guy had a gun. And you know, sometimes we forget that uh, behind the, the the police body cam is a person that probably has a wife and kids, or like Mr. Elias says, wants to get home to their family. And, you know, I've been in some pretty scary situations uh, before. And, you know, I don't know how you act in the moment. And, um, you know, I listen. I get that, but what about, what about when they catch these mass murderers, man, and they, you know, they don't, they don't, well, listen, they don't attack them like do. that. Well, 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 you know, I, I mentioned that last week, you know, and I said, you know, the bottom line is, is that police officers, you know, some are they big and bad uh, when they're dealing with an unarmed motorist. But then when it's time to, you know, go into a uh, into a facility and save children, then, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. But now, even in that situation, and that's a good segue. Thank you, Mr. Elias. That situation, how how many different versions of the story are we going to get from the public? I mean, as the public. When you listen to them, first they talked about how a, poli- a, a teacher left the back door open uh, and then the shooter got in. Now, video evidence shows that that's not the case, that the, poli- that the teacher, when she saw the shooter, closed the door. But the door didn't lock. 
and the shooter was able to gain access to the facility. I mean, there are so many. They cannot get their story straight, Vanessa, on what happened in Uvalde. And so this is why people don't trust the authorities. Yeah. I, I, you know, I still can't get over the little girl who took the blood. And I know I said this last week, but this doesn't leave my head. As a mother, it just does not leave my head that that little girl took the blood off of somebody else and put it on herself in order for the shooter to think she was dead. I still can't get over that the child called the police three times, called 911 three times, and said, come and save us. And there was somebody waiting on a friggin' key, a key to let them in, a key, my lord. Yeah, but that story has even changed. They talked about that story's changed now. They're they're saying that the police chief, which is the he's the chief of police for the uh for the ISD in that area, uh now it's being reported that he never got those calls were never forwarded to the team that was on site. So they were operating under the assumption that he was in there and he was holding hostages, which I guess that's a whole different uh, police procedure. It's a whole different procedure. So now they're when trying to blame the 911 who... operator. Now they're trying to blame the 911 well, operator. Blame. Phone call. I don't know, but what I'm saying is, call. well, they're saying that the calls never got to the got to the chief. What, what we're finding here is that there is a serious breakdown in that whole process. And the other part of it, which makes it stunning, is that once again, and I talked about this last week, how they a few months ago bragged about, hey, if something like this happens here, we are ready. And little did they know, less than a year or two years later, it would happen there, and they're being exposed because they're not ready. They weren't ready. And there are flaws in the way they handled that whole thing. Now, let me, uh, Momo B has her hand up. We're going to bring Momo B in. We are way over, but, you know, Momo B is family. Let's get her in here and see what she has to say. Good morning, Momo. Special privileges for you. What's happening on a beautiful Sunday? How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm fine. Good morning, everyone. Doctor. Um, well, no, doctor, nobody. Yes, um, <laughs> and Vanessa. Good morning, sweetheart. How are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. And it is a beautiful day here in in, in New York, too, surprisingly. But, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me in. I appreciate you, Jay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I appreciate you, too. Okay, well, I tell you, you hold that thought because we are way, 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 way over. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. On the other side, we'll get into the heavy lifting of the show. Uh, should be fun today. Uh, some serious topics. Uh, we're going to continue to discuss the effect of gun violence on our communities and racism. All that is coming up. Uh, stay tuned. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is time for an NPR News update. And then after that, as you know, time to get into the heavy lifting of the show full crew in the house once again news on johnny d coming up next as well three four seven eight five zero one two seven two we'll be right back after this live from npr news i'm giles snyder in philadelphia three people were killed and 11 others wounded late last night as gunfire erupted in the city's popular entertainment district 
NPR's James Jones reports on this latest mass shooting in the U.S. According to police, shortly before midnight, officers patrolling South Street in downtown Philadelphia heard gunfire and witnessed several active shooters firing into a crowd. Inspector D.F. Pace is with the Philadelphia Police Department. You can imagine there were hundreds of individuals just enjoying South Street as they do every single weekend when the shooting broke out. Pace says an officer fired at one of the gunmen, but it's unclear whether he was hit. The man dropped his weapon and ran. Two semi-automatic handguns were recovered at the scene. Officials say that of the 14 people who were shot and brought to nearby hospitals, three were dead upon arrival. James Jones, NPR News. To Texas now, where Democrats are amplifying calls for gun reform after a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers in Uvalde less than two weeks ago. Texas Public Radio's Joey Palacios reports that includes Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic candidate for governor. Speaking in San Antonio, Beto O'Rourke highlighted five Texas mass shootings over the last five years that have killed nearly 90 people. Southern Springs, El Paso, Midland, Santa Fe, and now Uvalde. During a gun reform rally organized by his campaign, O'Rourke says current laws and leadership like incumbent Republican Governor Greg Abbott are leaving the state in danger. He's made it easier for people to buy guns, loaded guns, and have them on our streets with no background check, no vetting, no training whatsoever. O'Rourke's proposed reforms include adding universal background checks, red flag laws, and safe storage laws. O'Rourke is joining other Democrats' demands for a special legislative session focused on gun violence, which Abbott has yet to call. I'm Joy Palacios in San Antonio. Major Republican donors have joined other conservative Texans in signing on to an open letter supporting congressional action in response to the Uvalde school shooting. It was published today in the Dallas Morning News. Miami is getting back to normal after that storm system that pummeled Mexico as Hurricane Agatha moved over South Florida this weekend. National Weather Service forecaster Anthony Reyna says there was significant flooding in Miami. One of the ones who was the most affected was in part of the Miami downtown area. There were multiple instances of water entering buildings, um, many cars stranded. The waters are going down now. They're now in the face of cleaning up and recovering. The system is now known as Tropical Storm Alex. After moving into the Atlantic, Alex reached tropical storm strength overnight. While it no longer poses a threat to the U.S., storm warnings are up for Bermuda. You're listening to NPR News. Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. And we need to realize that, that people who think that, well, maybe if we just implement tougher gun laws, it's going to solve it. Chicago and L.A. and New York disproved that thesis. Welcome back again. 347 It was 23 minutes after the hour you're listening to the serious side. That was Governor Greg Abbott. 
talking about, or he was fielding a question at one of the press conferences when someone asked about stricter gun laws, and he made that comment. So let, uh, let's pick the conversation up right there. You know, I thought I'd never, you know, listen, write this day down, June 5th, 2022. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest with you, and Vanessa's laughing because I think she is anticipating what I'm about to say. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but does he have a point? Does he have a Does he have a point? You know, you, we we talk about this on the show all the time. How gun violence is just wreaking havoc throughout America. And my question is, does he have a point, Mister Les? Because there are strict gun laws in Chicago. I remember, uh, you know, my cousin got caught in Chicago with a gun, and boy, I tell you what, because they knew somebody on the police force. And that's the only reason that stopped him from going to jail, and that would have ruined his life. He turned out to be a very productive citizen. However, had that gun charge went through, he would have been in trouble, and it would have just set him on the path of, I think, self-destruction. But when people say this, you know, we talk about this all the time. We are people of sound mind and judgment. We also encourage people to use common sense. When someone says that to you, Mr. Elias, what would be your response? Well, to me, you got to look at the situation. Whereas if I get, if, I, if, if I'm looking at gun laws, because I'm looking at all that, if I'm living in Illinois, especially Chicago, all you do is cross, step across the state by a gun. And it don't, it don't take much. So when you talk about strict gun laws, gun laws need yeah. to be, uh, everybody's, hey man, everybody's for, uh, stricter gun laws. It's just these clowns don't want to submit to the NRA. Let's call it what it is. If, 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 if I can go right across the street and buy a gun and I don't have to have, I don't have to have a background check done. I don't have to have anything done. I don't, and I can put together a ghost gun without any serial numbers on it or any of this stuff. Then yes, guess what's going to happen? I don't care where you're at. But you need stricter gun reform. Is it going to stop gun violence altogether? Nothing is going to stop nothing 100% of the time, but let's slow it down. This is, that, but that's you're avoiding the question, though. If you look at Connecticut, I think it's Connecticut. If you go to Connecticut to buy a gun, which they have the lowest gun violence in Connecticut, you've got to be at least 21 years of age. You got to at least okay. say, Dave, before you can get it, you can got, you got to go talk to the police and have a psychological uh evaluation done on you and then uh, after that you get two weeks uh, cooling off period and then you can buy a gun and they got the lowest gun violence in the united states it works yeah but the nra is that per capita know nothing about it yeah but, but huh? is that per capita but but is that per capita but, but listen listen but, but but let me let me step back because okay. i want to make sure that well, no, mr Elias, we, we you're laughing but i'm serious here i'm saying that I mean, Chicago has very strict gun laws. Now, he's wrong about New York because New York's uh, uh, homicides are trending downward uh, uh, with a little bit of a spike here at the beginning of the year. But when someone says that to you, I mean, I, is I it a legitimate I, point? They're ignorant. they're ignorant. They're ignorant as hell because if I can come across the But they can say you're day, ignorant. What? How? How they There's can no say you're ignorant? Okay, but, but we're coming across the border and buying a gun. There's no well, what law I'm that saying, Mr. Elias. Do that. 
Okay. What, what I'm huh? saying, Mr. Elias, what I'm saying here is this, is that people can, people can throw – it's like when we have conversations about the Bible, right? It's the matter how you interpret it. So people can sit here and say, well, okay, you're ignorant for throwing up these. You're throwing up uh, situations and laws and, and situ- situations and uh, th- th- that supports you, what you're, you're trying to validate your cause and your answer, but they can come back and say, well, wait a minute. You want us to put in stricter gun laws. These states have some of the strictest, strictest gun laws in the land. However, you know, it ain't nothing for people, for 22 people to get shot over the weekend in Chicago. And, ex- and where are these guns coming from, Jay? See, that's, what, that's the problem people are not talking about. Where are these damn guns coming from? They're coming from Indiana. They're going right across okay. the borders in Chicago. So let me go. Let me uh, let me go to a gun store and pick but, up uh, how many guns I want. But what does that have to what? do? But I mean, okay. What? But what we're saying is, but what we're saying, it's like what people, <laughs> you know. Listen, guns, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna side with you on this. Listen, first of all, for the record, let me make sure that I announce my position because people, oh my God, Jay, listen, I, I'm with Mr. Elias on this, right? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. And what I'm saying here is this. It's like when people say, well, why is why do you have so much crime in, 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 in states that promote, uh, you know, the death penalty? If you know that at the end of the day there's a possibility you can be put to death, it seems to me that that would bring down the crime rates. Man, nobody's thinking about that stuff when they're out there doing what they do. So I hear what you're saying. You can go buy guns in Indiana. But you once you cross once you cross over the state line, you still are subject to gun laws. Those gun laws are tough. My cousin's from Indiana, so the, the, I guess what and listen, what he's saying is ridiculous because we talked about this last week, Vanessa. How the first thing he wants to do is stand up in front of people and talk about mental health issues and things of this nature. But at the same time, uh, you know they're they're you know they're decreasing decreasing the funding for mental health in Texas. But that's the first thing that that, that people, you want people to believe when you address your constituents about the continued gun violence in this state and how you have promoted, you know, for Texas to lead the nation in gun sales, how you have promoted how people can walk around here like it's Dodge City. You don't even have to have a permit to carry in Texas anymore. And that's we're talking about concealed handguns. Well, why would? I, I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, you can ride around in Texas with your pickup truck, with your gun in the gun rack, in the window, visible for everyone to see. And you're perfectly legal doing this. You know, and it's interesting, they want to put restrictions on women's, a woman's right to choose. They want to ban books from from classrooms. They want to do all these different things, but they don't want to ban an 18-year-old from getting his hand or her hands on a semi-automatic weapon. Mr. Elias, we have a phone call if you want to check that out. All right, so same question to you, Vanessa. Does he have a point? You know what? I'm just never going to get that man credit for anything. I'm sorry. I'm not giving him any credit at all. (laughs) I'm just not. Uh, yeah, he is kind of right, but you know what? He still was talking out of both sides of his face because he is the one who went in, and people who are not paying attention in the state of Texas, this man took all of the mental health stuff out. So, yeah, we can talk about Chicago, and, yeah, he might be right, right. but he's governor of Texas, and he is dr- running us in the ground, Jay. 
and people aren't paying attention because I, I don't know. I don't know why it's not being talked about on social media. Maybe people are being burnt out about it even being out there. But Burnt out it, about it what? Just seems like gun violence? They're not talking about the gun violence in Houston. They're not talking about Governor Abbott letting all of this stuff happen. They're not talking about Ted Cancun Cruz standing in the background, always got something to say about something. He, um, they just, is it, they just well, listen, the hell I out get of that. They just, they just buzz well, but, I know, I know they do, but, but, but here's, here, here is the issue for me, um, Momo, is that people like you, for example, you don't want to hear this stuff. Now, can people say that you're being irresponsible because you're not keeping me up on, you know, the events of the day, but then you're going to participate in the political process? I don't know. But sometimes people just don't want to hear it. You hear it so much, you're like, look, about my mental, I have to be worried about my mental capacity, right? I have to be right. concerned about, about, you know, how I approach my data, because at the end of the day, you know, self-preservation is the key. I want to be able to live a life that's stress-free. And so if I choose to ignore this stuff, I don't want that to be a burden on me mentally. So, so right. you know, as a person that, you know, I'm not as a person that gets their news from this show pretty much, right? <laughs> um well, you do. I mean, you don't watch local news. You don't keep up with any of that stuff. You just kind of say, hey, look, I'm here to live my life, and all that stuff is outside of my door, my walls. I don't want to participate in it. Right. I, you are absolutely right, and I know you're right. You're right because I I told you. That's how you know because I shared it with you, and so you are right. Uh-huh. I got enough going yeah. on in my own little bubble. I can't deal with I'm I'm barely dealing with what I'm trying to deal with, so I can't, I can't do no more and no less. And I used to watch the news, and I, I told you, I used to go to work upset, mad. What, what's wrong with you? Because I already heard something on the news that pissed me off. I don't know this person. I don't know that. I don't know nobody on the news. But I carry it in my heart. So now I go to work, and I'm mad, and I'm angry. I don't need too much more mad and anger. I don't need no more on my plate about the world, the world, the world. Right. And I can't change the world, and it seems like nobody can. So I'm like, oh, stop, God. Stop, 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 Because you just, Momo, stop, stop right there. You just said something that is critical in this conversation. You said, repeat it. Repeat what you just said. I because I want to hold in on that. And it doesn't seem like anybody can. We've Bam. been trying to do this for years. This is not new to us. We've been trying to change the world for years. And we used to, well, I'm going to talk to myself. I used to think that we could. I, I'm 51 years old. I used to think when I was in my 20s that it was possible for us to change the world. I used to think that. Things used to upset me that I saw in the news so much because I thought there was a time where we were changing, where we were growing, where we were evolving. But it, today is worse than it ever was. So there is a change going on, but it ain't going on in the right direction. Wow, look at that. Three four seven eight five oh one two seven two is thirty five minutes after the hour you're listening to the serious side. We're gonna to get to the phone lines here in a second. But I, I wanna I just want to I, I want to Momo B just 
crystallized why it's an issue because it's been going on for so long, and no matter how much you talk about it, nothing has changed. And so people get tired of it. It's like, what's the use? And that's where the problem is. That's why you're not seeing it on social media, Vanessa, because people are tired of talking about it, right? If you continue to try to do something over and over and over again and you get no results, and, and it's like the definition of insanity. You keep getting bashed in your face. You keep everybody want to talk and argue with each other. They want to argue with each other, but still ain't nothing getting right. done. Well, if you just go out and Absolutely. vote, I've done that. I've been doing that. I've been See? doing that. I've been voting. I'm going to keep voting, but I, I ain't going to expect nothing to change. I'm going to vote, though. There you go. I am, but yeah. I don't expect nothing to change. And, and, and if I could say this, because this is another thing that I, it, it just drives me crazy. And I'm sorry, Miss Elias. I love me some Miss Elias, but this is one thing that people do that just drives me crazy. He just said Connecticut got the lowest gun violence in the whole USA and the whole world. Connecticut's small. I used to live there. I know people. I know everybody. I know, I know everybody in the whole state of Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> so is Gary, Indiana. It's small in comparison. And Gary, it's Indiana was the mother capital of the world at one point in time. Connecticut is a small state. So in comparison to like so New York, Indiana. for instance, in comparison to like New York, for instance, let's say uh, Connecticut got, let's say, uh, three million people in the whole state of Connecticut. New York got 20 million people. So, of course, the murder rate here is going to be higher. And in Connecticut, they only got, well, I'm not going to say the, well, yeah, I can say this. But I used to live there. They only got a few sections. You already know the sections that you shit to the end, and you could just merge around that. <laughs> Go around that. Jesus Christ. So, so, Still it's, is. I think it's that's, like crazy. Well, so, of course, yeah, the, um, a lot of, the, the. A lot of noise. Well, it's not me because there ain't nobody here but me. No, 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 no. It sounds like a good sound. I think it's a good sound. Okay, let, let, let's, um, so so let me step in here real quick, Momo. Let me step in real, real quick because we're, we're we're almost against it. I want to get out to the phone lines. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Welcome to the serious side. Who are we speaking with? Hello, Jay Wow. This is the real Delia from the J King Network. Hey, what's going on? Good morning, girlfriend. How are you? Momo B. Good morning, Delia. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, I, I wanted to say that uh, your Honorable, or in my opinion, dishonorable Governor Abbott. Um, I hate to say this, but I think he's being idiotic in his statement, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because okay. when he's comparing a mass murder of innocents in a small town mm-hmm. in Texas to gang violence right. in Chicago and L.A., that is the equivalent of comparing apples and oranges. It has nothing to okay. do, like you rightly said, with the gun violence laws being stronger in those locations because you can't compare gang violence activity in major metropolitan areas with a single shooter killing over 20 people. That's two different things. You have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And no matter what laws we had, ever since we had the Ten Commandments, we know not to kill. The people have been killing ever since biblical times. Right. The first, the first crime was a murder. That's true. 
That's true. That's true. And on Sunday, go ahead and finish that thought for those who don't uh, partake in Bible reading, such as uh, <clears throat> who killed who, uh, so that way she'll know so she can look that up in her pocket Bible. Thank you, his brother Abel, because you go. he was jealous you go. because Abel got more favor from God. There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure every opportunity. And murder has, yes. has been here since the beginning of time. Yes, yes. Just every opportunity, I, I, I can feel it's our duty to, not, to help her. You know, I didn't know that. Right? I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just like, for instance, um, all the pedophiles that molest children know that if they go to prison, they're going to get molested or killed, but they still do it. So laws do right. not prevent all of the crime from happening, but it, it, it is some deterrent effect, but it's not 100%. Nothing is 100%. But we have to True. start with making it harder for people, harder and, and impossible for people to get right. assault rifles and to buy a thousand. Why yeah. does one person need a thousand ammunition? That's is it, I mean, you're a military man, Jay Ryle. How many soldiers were were going around with a thousand pieces of ammunition at one time? Well, well how the many only person would, you, would a thousand uh, pieces of ammunition armed. The the only soldiers that that were armed with over a thousand rounds were your machine gunners, the guys who carried the big big weapons to to uh, to uh, apply suppress fire. Uh, for us, you know, we had uh, thirty round magazines, and so I think the most we may have had on us during any type of operation may may have been you know maybe a hundred two hundred rounds. But 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 that's a good solid point, and and I thank you. So D, hold on for a second because. We definitely have to get out of here, so don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you on hold. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Interesting things. We're going to continue this conversation uh, as we. Uh, I tell you, this jam packed show. We're going to make some changes along the way because I, I definitely think that this is an important topic that we need to have a conversation with. I'm looking down. Looks like the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, has made his presence, uh, has made his appearance. Uh, Mr. Jerome here, man. Let me give you a few minutes, man, to to, to talk about this topic if if you want to. Get a little conversation before we go to Kavina time here. You have anything you want to add to this uh, before we step out and take a break? No, no, I don't have anything I want to add. I, I was just listening, so everybody made good points, so I don't have anything in particular to add. All right, good. That man, I tell you, I love when he shows up. Great stuff from that man right there. All right. Uh, in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. I have a friend that's a comedian, and we were having a conversation. Matter of fact, earlier this week, uh, we were talking. He's a guy that's trying to break into the industry, and he said, hey, man, listen, I heard you have a radio show. Uh, have you guys talked about the Chris Rock, you know, Will Smith? I'm like, dude, uh, yeah, we talked about it when it happened. Uh, but he, he, he said he was concerned about it because, you know, this past week, matter of fact, I think a few days ago, the guy who actually tackled Dave Chappelle on, pay, on, on, on stage uh, I think didn't he enter a plea of insanity or something like that? I can't remember what the plea entered, but it got me to thinking. And so my buddy, he said he's going to tune in today, and so I hope you are tuning in. And so for you, we're going to replay uh, a uh, uh, four minutes or less segment that we played during the time when this whole thing happened. Brother, I want to make sure you stay on top of it, and hopefully you'll continue to listen to the show. So in this week's edition of a four minutes or less, something that you need to know, we're going to replay a segment from when Will Smith slapped the boo-boo-boo out of uh, Chris Rock. And uh, we'll be back to continue to have these other conversations. You're listening to The Serious Side, 43 minutes after the hour. We'll be right back after this short break.
My father, who was a comedian, used to advise me when I was in a school play, don't worry if the audience walks out on you, just if they start coming toward you. In March, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock before an audience of millions at the Oscars after Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, his wife. And this week, Dave Chappelle was tackled on stage at the Hollywood Bowl by a man with a knife inside a replica gun. Security guards chased down the attacker and pulled him off stage. The Los Angeles City Attorney's Office has filed charges. Dave Chappelle's been criticized for transphobic jokes in his stand-up sets and Netflix specials. Return to that theme after the Hollywood Bowl incident, joking that his attacker was a trans man. Chris Rock also happened to be on the bill and came on stage when the assailant had been subdued to ask, Is that Will Smith? Other comedians are watching and worrying. My first reaction when I saw Dave attack was, Here we go again, said Curtis Shaw Flagg, who runs Chicago's Laugh Factory. My second reaction was, Nobody's safe. Flag says there's been a recent increase in people trying to charge the stage at his club. He's hired more security, but knows that's hard for smaller clubs, which are staffed mostly by young part-time servers. You have to give comics the opportunity to try and fail, he said. Not every joke's going to work. Someone's always going to be offended. Comedy can often challenge our views or cement them. Jokes can make us grimace and squirm as we laugh or don't. These days, anyone who objects to a routine can tweet a response, put a little scowling face on Facebook, or post a 5,000-word essay on media. People in an audience can boo or just walk out without committing assault. Matt Walsh, the comic actor and founding member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, told us, even when Romans watched martyrs battle lions, they didn't jump in the arena to slap or stab the Christians for poor combat technique. If they were bored... They would leave early and tell their friends to meet up later at the vomitorium. Or as Cicero once wrote, just shut your mouth and watch the show. I'm not sure about his history, but I get the joke. The NAACP is committed to equality for all people, especially the equality of foundational black Americans. Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance at living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance to? Learn more at NAACP.org. Online radio at its best. Jesus Christ, man, just grab a hold of it. What are you... Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. It's 47 minutes after the hour. We thank you guys for being here listening to the show. You just heard uh, 
audio from an arrest. Uh, police involved in the arrest of an elderly man are being accused of causing an injury that would have later uh, caused death. On uh, April 20, uh, April 2nd, Warren County uh, Virginia deputies were making an arrest of a 77-year-old man when he slammed him into his pickup truck and toppled him to the ground. Newly released body cam footage shows that the harrowing scene that would have ultimately proved the original story about the sheriff's department uh, public affairs office was false. Uh, the elderly man suffered a brain injury during the incident and died in hospital 13, later, 13 days later. Now, we talked about how, you know, there are some good police officers. But here's a situation, Vanessa, where once again, the police put out one thing, but then body cam camera comes out and put out something completely different. 77-year-old man, if you watch, it's a very disturbing video to watch. Grabbed this man, threw him up against his truck, and slammed him to the ground. And he dies 13 days later. So, Vanessa, good cop, bad cop. Here we are talking about police again. Now, I think the difference here is that this was an elderly white man. So I know some of you all are saying, okay, here we go again. But it was a man, regardless of what his color is or was. But, you know, police officers are supposed to be peace officers. That's really their that's really a part of their original, original title, right? They are peace officers. They're supposed to uphold the peace. And how can you uphold the peace when you're the one that's causing all the disruption and things of that nature? So, Vanessa, uh, give me your thoughts on this particular story. Well, I'm not familiar with the story, but it doesn't matter because it's the same story that we have been hearing for a very long time. So it goes back to who is the officer? You know, is is the officer just a racist or doesn't care what color they are, just a mean, abusive person? Is he going to get away with it? Um, You know, it's just, it's just the same story, Jay, over and over. It's the same story. I know. And what makes it sad, Vanessa, I think the bigger issue here is, and I remember we were having a conversation a few years back, and I remember Jerome saying this, and I can't remember how he said it, but he said something along the lines of, well, you know what, it really doesn't matter. I think I was telling the story about when I got pulled over uh, when I was at Fort Hood and and a, and a cop pulled up and asked me for my, my uh, you know, my registration and my driver's license when I, uh, I used to keep my wallet under my seat and when I you know, try to retrieve my wallet. He said, whoa, slow down, you know. And I remember us having that conversation. And I said, well, it's a black cop. And Jerome said, wait a minute, man. It don't matter what color the cop is. We're not saying this because it's white police officers. We're talking about police, period. How they feel they have the authority to violate someone's civil rights. Doesn't matter what color they are. And I said, oh, okay. And so that has resonated with me, and I think we had that conversation which three or four years ago. But it was, but it was funny how Jerome was like, "Hey, man, it doesn't matter what color the dude is. There's some bad black cops. Been, they they cops. It don't matter. They're the same color, blue." And, and I thought that was interesting <laughs> when he when he said that. 
Yeah, it was. I thought he's he's right. So 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 I think it's in general. And Jerome, you can you know jump in here. I think it's a situation where the police feel they have the authority to do what do to you whatever they want to in the name of law in the name of law enforcement. And it's like you know some of this stuff is ridiculous. You know, you can find videos on YouTube where an elderly white woman takes a ticket and tears it up and throws it in the state trooper's face, and he sits there and looks at her and says, hey, you know, you want to get out the car and pick this up, or I'm going to ticket you for, for you know, for, uh, for, for littering. And he was calm, cool, and collected. But then you have these cops that they are wired as soon as they approach you, and they're ready to, you know, if you don't do what they, what you tell, what, what, you know, if, you, if they give you an order, and if you don't execute it right then and there, oh, man, you may be pavement face first in the pavement within 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, just want to kind of add to that, that we have to remember, and I think this is something that we all have to be taught across the board, is that we need to know how the pathology of not just white folks work, but just police officers, because you need to know that police officers are trained in a certain way. They come out of a certain pool of people. They come with more aggressive, like people who was a former athlete or a former military. They, they're coming from positions that they are, they are trained to be aggressive. They're not Ooh, peace officers. And so we have to think about what pool of people we're choosing from to have them become police officers. And then when they do wow. that, the structure, the lieutenants or whoever their, their structure is, need to know how to wrangle them in. Because I think what, what the reason that folks forgive police officers for being aggressive is because they're using them like bouncers. So when they call the police, mm. they want something to happen. But when white folks call police, they're like that protect and serve community thing comes up for them. So we, it's not that we need to reimagine how the police department goes. It's just that we need to change how we think about society, right? There's a reason why, you know, our mass shooters, all white, mainly white males between the age of like 16 to 35, and sometimes in their 40s. But instead of getting white males help at when they turn eight to actually have them understand um, that they're not the king of this mm-hmm. world, until you do that and deal with their pathology when they're little, you can't stop them at 16 or 18 or whatever. Anytime they don't get something that they want, they think that somebody cheated or something's unjust. So this is not something that we can't handle. What the problem is is that we won't deal with the reality of the, of the environment that we're in. We keep wanting to change. Let's make a law. Let's do something to detour people from doing something that they're conditioned to do. Right? Mm-hmm. There are laws on the books that says a police officer cannot break the law. But I watch them right. run the lights, right. run lights all the time without having their lights on. Yeah, they're not supposed to do that. But so we we get to a place where we condition ourselves to break laws, and laws are just for some people, and there's no repercussions. And I I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again: black violence is porn to white people. Right? Either you're singing and dancing or crying. And it does not move them one iota. And I'm kind of like, uh, you know, we need to stop 
parading the same thing that's, that's creating the same behavior amongst them. So when somebody's interviewing you and they're saying, how do you feel about this shooting in the black community? You should ask that reporter, how do you feel about reporting on a shooting in the black community? Because obviously you're muted to that emotion and you're getting off on the emotion that we are having. You're not reporting news anymore. You're feeding a pathology. And we need to get smarter and deal with this stuff a little bit differently. So I know it's, it's kind of probably not the direction that you, you know, would go in and asking a question like that. But I don't look at the world so simplistically now that it's an emotional response from me. I think that we need to be smarter. So we need to start, you know, turning the ship back to, to, to a place where our humanity is in the forefront of our actions opposed to our ego and our, um, and our desire for sensationalism or porn or all of that other stuff because that's all this stuff is. There's no way that officers should be harassing black folks unless their humanity was jacked up. So until mm-hmm. you start dealing with these people and their humanity, then we have nothing to talk about. We're going to keep having the same thing, and you're going to keep wanting black people to deal with it. And, and we talked about this a long time ago, for you guys who are too young to know this. Bill Clinton was in office, they, and he bragged about having some sister-soldier moment, which means that he stood up to this black woman that said that if black people took a vacation off and stopped killing black people and started killing white folks, white folks would look at killing different. That's all she was saying. But instead, our whole community was like, be right about that. She shouldn't have said that. They didn't even listen to what that black woman had to say. She was just making a point that that's porn. She didn't say that I'm saying that, that people get off at looking at black suffering. But when it comes to theirs, little Sally can fall down a freaking well, a well, and we have to take, you know, time off of work to have a vigil, right? Like there is something sick about that. So we have to revisit how we look at things that's going on in the society because they're not changing behavior. So we have to change how we're how we are responding to that behavior. So I'm not well, I'm not gonna even qualify it. But we, we really do have to look at how we're handling this stuff. So when a policeman comes yeah. up to you and I know black people say this, uh, besides killing somebody, if a black if a policeman came up to me right now and said, Did this black man steal something, I would pretty much walk away from you. Stealing is the if people are hungry, they're hungry. But you're not gonna go beat him down for stealing a bag of potato chips. That is not right. happening. And our community needs to deal with it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mr. Elias, what about you? I know that, uh, you know, you've had some some uh, up-close and personal uh, uh, interactions with uh, the men in blue. Uh, what, what is it about police officers that, that makes them think that they can just, you know, you're supposed to, if you say, if they say jump, you know, you're supposed to, you know, ask how high. Uh, and, and and sometimes, you know, they're in place to make sure that your rights are not being violated, but at the same time, they are violating your rights uh, in a lot of cases when they're interacting with you. What say you in regards to this? Well, they know they know what to do and how, how far they can get away with it. People always say about training, they need more training. Hell, man, you can have a police officer come out there and, and – and, and, you can see somebody. I watch these all the time. You can see somebody videotaping a police uh, station, 
and it's right. It's on the public sidewalk, and it, the Constitution clearly states that if you're on a public sidewalk, you can videotape that police station. And they, they, these people come out, and they know that they can, they, that these people can do it. But what do they do? They still try and force them out because they, they, I'm gonna put my authority on you, and I'm not going, I'm not gonna let you violate me. But you wanna, but you're violating me. You're not like, and and all these people believe in the Second Amendment, Constitution, all this other stuff. There's more than there's more than one is one is one more than one amendment in that Constitution. You have the right to freedom speech, and you have the right to carry a gun. You have all these rights, but yet and still they want to violate your rights. But that people only care about the Second Amendment right because that's the right to carry a gun. That's that's the only thing they know about. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. You, you can watch a police officer when they get behind you, and you can ask, why, you know, when you get out the car, you don't even have to roll your window down, but a little bit to give them your license. You can ask them, why are you, why are you pulling me over? And they still will break your windows out. They don't care, man, because they're going to violate your rights. And then, you know, you want to know why taxes are so high? Because the police stations are being sued so vehemently. It's, it's just crazy to me. Is that really well, we'll be, Is that why they're so high? I'm sorry. Yeah, what you say? That's, that, go ahead. What you say, Vanessa? Go ahead, Vanessa. That, Tim, was that real? Now, is the taxes study going up because the police department is being sued so much? Babe, if you if you go through and and realize how many how much how much money they're being sued because they're violating people's rights, you look it up. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's millions. I know in Chicago, they have in the last maybe eight to ten years, they have at least paid out close to eighty to ninety million dollars. Oh my lord! Mm-hmm. And that's that's for police officers illegally arresting arresting people. They had a guy that just got out like two weeks ago that had been in jail for twenty one years, and they gave him eighteen million dollars. The Laquan McDonald, where the guy got shot in the back by the police officers, they gave his mother seven million. I mean, you can you can go on and on and on, and you know you can always see where the police officers are violating people's rights, and people are tired of it, and they're taking it they're taking it in now. Interesting. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Few minutes we have left. Momo B, give me give me uh, give me some comments on this before we step out. Okay, well. It was it was funny to me when you said peace officer because I haven't heard that term in years. Um, uh, they're not peace officers. They far from it. They are law enforcers. But the funny thing about being a law enforcer is they don't even know the law. So I'm like, what is going on here? Like when you pull me over because oh you you didn't stop at the stop sign and I know I probably didn't. But don't tell me to step out the car. What does me stopping at the stop sign got to do with me stepping out of the whole vehicle? I'm not doing that. And then they don't like that. I know my rights. Once you say that to them, they get angry. And then they start acting belligerent. And then I'm looked at the crazy one. No, you're the crazy one because I don't have to step out of my car because I didn't stop at the stop. There's no reason for it. There's no probable cause for me to step out of my vehicle because you said so. That's not how it works. And that's why I say they don't even know the law, but they law enforcers. And that's where people like me, get angry about cops. I know all cops are not bad. We all know that. But it's, it's about power. That's what it boils down to, power. When I was younger, I thought for a minute, I want to be a policewoman. 
You think I want to go running in, in, the, in the damn project shooting at people? No, that's not why I wanted to be a police woman. I just wanted to carry the gun and tell people what to do. Shut up. Sit down. <laughs> that's, that's all I wanted to do. And then when I got okay. old and I realized it's more than that, you got to put your life at risk. I was like, no, I'm good on that. I'm not doing none of that. But this is what's going on now from my point of view. I think that the cops are just scared. That's why they shoot first and ask questions later. They are scared. They're scared of, and they should be. I'm scared of us too. You got people out here working too hard, single moms working too hard. Either they got two or three jobs trying to take care of their children or they're not working at all. They chasing men or watching TV, not raising these children, and the children are just getting lost. These children are bad. They are bad. They walk around here, don't give a, they don't care about nothing or nobody. They don't have no manners. They don't have no home training. The, the mother is too young. The mother is like 10 years older than them. They don't care. The, the whole generation is lost. Kids With these new abortion the laws, Momo, they're going to be younger than that. Everybody is lost out here in these streets trying to raise kids or not raise kids. And then they go out here amongst the world and do whatever they do. The police get called. The police already know. They, they run into these kids all the time, more than me. I don't even mess with them. I don't even say hi. I'm like, school's getting out at 3 o'clock. I got a school down the block from me. School gets up at 3 o'clock. Guess where I'm at at 3 o'clock? In my house. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to... <laughs> I'm not messing with these kids. I am not messing with these kids. So, you know, you got to stay in your lane. And I know where my lane is. So I, I be trying to handle these kids a certain way, but... I understand sometimes, but I don't. I wouldn't shoot a person just because I'm scared. You might want to find another job, homeboy. How about that? Wow. In her unique way, Momo B closes out the segment. All right, it's time for part one of Mariana Music's Music Corner. We'll be right back after this to the serious side of the J. Rowe Show. <laughs> oh, those boys are much too much. Those boys are much too much. We got the spirit, we're hot, we can't be stopped. We got the spirit, we're hot, we can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. All those boys are much too much. Those boys...
You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Please leave. Please leave. I'm going to look in my... Please call the cops. I need you to leave. I need you to leave right now. I'm good. You're good? Get out of my... Get out of my, my establishment now. Call the cops. Call the cops. Call them. <laughs> I like the police. You like the police? Yeah, they're nice to me. They're nice to you? I work with the Syrian police force. Oh, so you do colonics and you work with the police force? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Please leave. I'm going to ask We're you. Cool. We're pretty badass. Are you? Okay. Why would you still want to be in the presence of someone that ruined your day? Get out. Because I'm wasting your time. Because you enjoy that? Yeah. You have nothing better to do with your life? I don't. Okay. At this point. Okay. Why don't you You, go outside? Your race and your class destroy my family and my life. My race and my class? Yes. So this is about race and class? What what race do you think I am? You ruined my life. I ruined your... entire legacy of being a Christian. Okay. And now you're playing energy. You see what this is? You're playing energy. You see what this is? You're this playing is... energy chess game with an individual who has nothing to do with your class. Sir, I asked you to have a seat and fill out your paperwork, and yet you come in here and you start walking around my business, going through my windows and everything like that, saying that you wanted to take a look at the place. Not cool when I asked you to have a seat, okay? Clearly, you could have asked me, hey, can I see around the place and see what other services you offer, but yet you took it into your own hands because... You're all high and almighty because you think that you can do that. Yeah, you know? maybe, maybe you could have asked me if I wanted to be a rapper gangster in California. Uh, are you serious? Welcome back. 347 Ten minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the J. Riles Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. And it's that the black ball owner in Texas said she had to take matters into her own hands Sunday after being racially harassed by a white customer who claimed her race and class destroyed his life. You ruined my life. My entire legacy of being a Christian, the man told her in a video that has since gone viral. The business owner who requested anonymity for her own safety uh, said that the incident was particularly unnerving in the aftermath of the massacre at the Tops Grocery Store in Buffalo, which was carried out by a gunman obsessed with white supremacy and the Great Replacement Theory. Hmm, heard that before, right? And she was angry that the cops never arrived at her saloon after she called to report the incident. Um we talked about police officers feeling that they have the right to do and say what they want to say to people. And here's another situation where here's the white guy that walks in and sits down in a, you know, someone's place of business, refused to leave and talked about how our race, uh, let, me, let me, our race has ruined his life. And let me make sure I get the quote correctly. He said that, um, our race has destroyed his life. It, it, it said ruined his entire legacy of being a Christian. This is in Texas, the same state that's uh, <laughs> that's taking money away from uh, you know for, for for those who need mental help. Vanessa, since you're the first one that made some noise and laugh, let's just get this one started with you. How scary is this? This man just walks into this lady's 
establishment sets down and refuse to leave. And here's the kicker. The cops never showed up. They never came. She called the police. In wake of what's happening across this nation when it comes to racial profiling, uh, when it comes to people being shot and killed because they look a certain color, police couldn't make their way there. That incident could have ended the wrong way, right, by someone being shot and killed. But here we go, white privilege. And for those of you all who listen to the show, this was somewhere in Texas. I'll find out which city it was in. But for those of you all who think that all you guys do is race bait, kiss my kahunas, okay? Because at the end of the day, these are real stories. We're not making this stuff up. And that's the part that pisses me off. We're not making this up. Do you think we just, you think this is Fox News? We don't make up stuff. Replacement theory. That's something that Tucker Carlson talks about all the time. The person who shot and killed those people in Buffalo, when they found his ramblings and writing, he talked about the replacement theory. This is coming from a race who actually stole this nation from Indians. You, you know want to what? talk about replacement theories? This, Come on, man. This, Stop. This is what Jesse Jackson, I mean, um, Al Sharpton talked about this morning. Al Sharpton said on his 8 o'clock show this morning that wakes me up on the alarm clock, said, and I posted this last week before he even said it, how can an 18-year-old go and get, and somebody whoever just called in said the same thing, how can an 18-year-old buy hundreds and hundreds of thousands rounds of ammunition and tell people, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill my grandmother. I'm gonna go to a school and I'm gonna kill up all of these children. What does that have to do? with these people saying black people have ruined their lives. How how can you be 18 and go and buy this stuff? And last week I posted, but you can't go in a liquor store at 18, and you can't buy cigarettes at 18, but you can go and buy all of these bullets, and guns that should not even be on the street, but should be for the military to use, not regular people. I don't understand how they could even attempt to blame black people for their screwed up ass life because they, you can put my 50 cents in a bucket, I don't care, if Only your 25. life is screwed up and you're out shooting up people with AK-47s or whatever they are, that's you, and that's your screwed-up life. But you can't blame an African-American person or any person of color, any color, for your screwed-up life. You just can't. That's just your well, life screwed up. Go back and look at your Maybe that's why he shot his grandmother in the face. Maybe that's why he shot her in the know. face. Because he, I don't know. Because he kind of blamed her. Screwed up life. Oh, my God. Well, I, 
I think I, I think he has some mental issues. Well, he did, he had mental issues. He shot her in the face. He shot her in the face, and he said yeah, he was going to kill her. So th- yeah. you have to have a screwed up life to want to go and shoot your mama or your grandmama in the face. That's a screwed up life. Yeah. Yeah, but but here's the big here's the bigger point for me when it comes to this particular story, and um, um, you know, Jerome, to say that, you know, you got your race has screwed up my life and my legacy as a Christian. I mean, I can't even connect the dots on that. What what are you you saying? You're saying that that we've taken jobs from you? That's not true. I overheard some people at an establishment a few years ago that I used to work talked about how, you know, how how fair is affirmative action. And I I had to just bust up into that conversation. I didn't know those two ladies, but I had to get up in it. You know, how... How can white people have the audacity, my brother, to try to find a way to excuse all the years of them doing what they've done to people that look like us? You know, the reasons why we don't have deep roots in this country is because we talk about Tulsa. You know, when we were building things, guess what? You came and tore it down because you were afraid that we would be on the same level or even surpass you. So how can you fix your lips when, if you lose a race, (laughs) if you lose an eight-lap race where they gave you a four-lap head start and you still lose, who the hell's fault is that? You had a head start here. Don't bring it in. Don't, Don't talk about what we've done. Are you serious? Right, but I, I want to say, I just want to look at it from white folks' perspective for a second, right? And I try not to go in here too much. It's a little messy and a little dark in there, but I'm going to tell you this, is that if you grew up with the brainwashing that they have had, then you can't help but have mental problems, right? And, and I'm not saying mental illness like it's a chemical-based mental illness or something that they were born with, they're conditioned to do that. And it's like, you know, any society, whether it's Nazis or whatever, you can program people to look at the world in a certain way, and they don't realize that they're programmed to to believe certain things about themselves. So when we start looking at things like, um, you know, evolution and Darwin and all that, if you don't know that them fools were crazy, and that they were promoting racism, then technically you believe that all of that stuff is true, right? And so unless you start correcting it or making some kind of um, some kind of honest gesture to getting them to understand just their position in this doggone universe, then technically they won't, they're going to have these same problems. You're never going to shake this out of them because even from them, making up their own definition of critical race theory, for example, is the fear 
of feeling like you're inferior when you've been brainwashed to believe that you are superior. So we're talking about a, a, a different mental defect when it comes down to it. So from their perspective, I'm not even mad at them for seeing the world like they see it. They believe that stuff wholeheartedly. And I am just to a point where I think that black folks need to be deprogrammed from believing the same thing that white folks do. Now, asking me what they need to do to correct it, ain't none of my business, right? That it's not our job. Everybody is not Morgan Freeman going around trying to save white folks. We cannot keep doing that, right? You can only help somebody who want to help themselves anyway. So for us, uh, I think that if you catch any white male coming into your church, I think you should have security pat their asses down when they come in there because black people still are like, we welcome everybody. We're not racist. We're not being racist. We're telling you that that profile between that age, a certain age group is inherently brainwashed to the superiority complex, and we need to be conscious of it because white folks don't normally find their religious salvation amongst black people. So if we catch you coming in black, you know, organizations or where there's an abundance of old black people, security needs to say, hey, what you doing here? You know, if you want to come have a seat, we're welcoming, but you need to go through a metal detector, buddy. Right? And I know people Uh, hate to hear that, but it's because they are, it's because they're programmed to look at the world in a certain way. And I, but I get it. Are you talking, wait, yes. wait, wait, Jerome, are you talking what? about anybody white walking to a black church? Are you talking about these little neighborhood black churches where there are no white people? Because you can't just do that in every church. Say what you say, Vanessa, but I am telling you, I am okay, telling well, you, the you people look at, at the nature of the people who are caught. No, listen, and white I'm not, I'm not getting into religion. I'm not, I'm not, you can do what well, you want to tell me. I'm not getting into religion, I'm just. Answering to what you I, just said. I am saying to you, I am saying to you, is that just like the kid who <laughs> came into the church in, in in South Carolina, right? It was Bible study. Hey man, there off the whim. Somebody should have asked him some questions or sat security near him, because that's not a normal, natural thing. I'm not talking about people who go to interdenominational churches or all of that. I don't care what anybody does. It's not my business. I'm just telling you that we need to think about this differently because we're not considering the impact that they're having that's making them wig out because they're not dealing with it, so we have to deal with it. Once we get it, it is our fault for not even understanding what's going on, right, whether they want to admit it or not, whether they see how television programs them, whether they know how the movie industry works, right, that you have to eventually, as a black band, to be a star in Hollywood, put on a freaking dress. But, like, if you don't see how that stuff is impacting behavior, those of us who do need to adjust to it. We need to say, okay, right, we can't trust that. Um, So here's some measures that we need to put into place, right? Everybody always reduces things to whether somebody's being racist against you know, black people or white folks. It's not about that, right? We're talking pathology issues here. So, and I know that might be a little much to have a, on this conversation for a Sunday, but I've been having a lot of conversations about this over the, over 
you know, the last couple of months. And even when we we have these conversations, we brush over it just uh, just a little bit. But the elephant in the room to us is that white folks aren't changing their behavior. So, who needs to adjust to it? Do we do we need to adjust to it? Do we need to keep begging them to um, help their own people, help their kids? Right? Again, we're not Morgan Freeman. We're not that stereotypical. Let's try to make you a better person to see us as being human. Um, please don't shoot us. We need to do things to to kind of work that a little bit differently. So in the bigger picture, it is an issue that, and I said I was looking at this from white folks' point of view, that they really kind of have to address why they are um, seeing the world like they do. Because it's a lot of this stuff is easily solvable by by um, telling people the truth, but that's not that's not in them because that's not what man the colonizer is. Colonizers pretty much will come take your land and make you adhere to their god. So if we look at all the correction stuff, the stuff that's going on with the Native Americans and you know in the um, Northwest, that um, the church came in, sent the Native Americans to these. Catholic or whatever schools that they went to 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 program them, cut your hair, speak English. They were brainwashing them. The church don't even come back and say, oh, my bad, we were wrong. Now, they're starting to come out and say that a little bit, but what have they done to deprogram from that mentality and way of thinking? So once, once you already think like me, I, hell, there's nothing left. Black people don't like black people not because they don't like themselves, sometimes it's because they don't want to be black. And that's the, that's the same thing. So we need to deal with society and unraveling this stuff by actually dealing with our own, dealing with humanity first. It's a, it's a large task, and it's not something that, you know, that is solvable overnight, but it's something that we need to deal with, right? So we can't just go... We just can't say stuff like, well, we can't just do that to all white people because they're some good white people. If they were good white people, they would be telling their people that they're foul. But do good white people do that? So how good are they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Elias, man, give me your thoughts, bro. If some good white people are telling other white people they shouldn't do that, you don't know if some are or not. And you can't put all white people in the same category. And if you do do that, if you do do that, then that is the reason why all white people put black people in the same category. And you don't want them to do that. So that's like no, what, that's so, not, that's not I, what I'm saying. And I'm that, ready to go to that church. Is, that is not, that's why I that's go to not church. What I'm saying. That, that's what you said, though. You might not no, okay, it, well, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm right well, here, I'm Vanessa, so I can clear that up for you. I can clear that up Yes, I can clear that up for you. I'm right here. So what I'm saying to you is that we have a responsibility for looking out for our interests when the greater society is not looking out for it. You can make those decisions on your own. I didn't say that that everybody will do that. I'm saying that that's a comfort level. If you feel like you're okay with whatever community you're into, you can do that. But we have to be reasonable here that 
if the people who are committing the mass murders are coming out of a certain demographic, we need to be cautious, right? I, didn't, I, I am just saying that you, we need to take some precautions. We need to be aware, and then we need to act on what it is that we know. We need to make a decision, and then I'm not making that decision for all black people. I'm just saying that that's the conversation that you need to have, right? So I'm not profiling saying if it's a black church in a black community, you need to do it, or if you're in a black church in a white community, you need to do it. Because if you look at these mass shootings, they're going to find black people where black people are. They ain't shooting black people in the suburbs. I'm not saying they won't do that. I'm just saying that's normally how the Klan works. You take an isolated black family, and then you torture them, Right. Or if you mass murder, you go to a place where black people congregate. So we are so welcoming. Just indigenous people are like that generally. It's why colonizers are successful, is that we're always so welcoming that we cannot see that coming. And my point was is that we need to understand what it is and make a decision how we need to adjust to what is going on. So to to you – and to probably most white people, they probably are feeling like, oh, you're saying all white folks are not redeemable. I'm not saying that. I am saying that you need to deal with um, what the pathology is and then make a determination on how you're going to handle it. So you can't tell me that, you know what, there are good white folks and some bad white folks. And I'm saying how good is good? Is there a marker for this? Is there a measure because a white person is nice to you? I know a lot of racist people who are really nice to me, and it's just because they don't have more muscle than I do. I can, I can admit that. But the issue is, is that do I hate them for being racist? No. I don't want anything that they have, and they probably don't want anything that I have. So I'm not saying that we have to put everybody in the same, like when it comes to black or white, because that's where white folks usually get us, is that they neuter us by saying, oh, you're not saying all white people. Hell, they don't say all black people when they shoot black people when they pull them over. They don't have to say it. It is their actions right. and their behavior that singles out black people. There's the actions and behavior that singles out why black people are pulled over more than white folks in highly populated white areas. They don't have to say that, oh, we just look at black people. We just say, I felt uncomfortable, you look suspicious. But since I have to define who it is that is our threat or who is is there um, in that brainwashed Sean Hannity kind of way, since I have to explain that, I can only use very um, light terms like white or black. I can only use those terms. But that does not mean that we, again, our humanity is intact. We don't go by and look at somebody because they're white and then point the finger at them and say they're evil. But we do know behavior. And, and before I finish, I just want to say, to Elias's point, there are amendments that protect us. Like you have a re- amendment to Second Amendment rights to carry a weapon. But in the Fourteenth Amendment, all all persons born of naturalized uh, naturalized in the U.S. and subject to the jurisdictions thereof—that means in the U.S.—are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein that they reside. So no state shall make or enforce any laws which shall abridge the privilege or immunities of a citizen of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, 
liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the law. That is an amendment. But does that stop cops from shooting black people? Are they equally protecting them under that same law? Are they depriving them of their life and liberty or property? Yes. And that's a doggone amendment. So there are laws on the books that you can say, hey, we don't need no more laws, but we can't even get them fools that are hired to enforce laws to even respect that one. That's a freaking amendment. So I'm saying that if you're not going to change, we have to acknowledge that and we have to adjust to it without being in our feelings about caring for somebody else more than we care about ourselves. Black people right. have we, never we, had any organization that went out and hunted and killed white folks. We still don't do that. The white folks are still right. loking up to black people. Yep. What are we to, to do about that? You know, so, so since Minister Farrakhan is not out like he was in the 80s and the 90s and whatever, there's nobody black being plain. There's nobody black out there speaking plain English to this stuff. That is oppressing Understand, all of bro. Us. You're, you're passionate about we have to step up. Oh, I don't care. I'm not passionate that much about it. I'm just making a point. I'm losing my voice, so I have to yell a little bit. But I'm out. Uh-oh, did I lose Jay? All right, so maybe Jay's out of there. I don't know if Vanessa's still there. I think Jay got cut off. But anyway, to the point is that we have to adjust. They don't have to. Or they're not going to or choosing not to. 